listeners and lurkers. I'm Alan Johnston. And I'm Mimi Johnston. And we're so happy that you're joining us for The Last Isle. This week, we'll be covering the 2016 movie Clown, directed by John Watts and written by John Watts and Christopher Ford. The movie first came into the public eye as a fake movie trailer uploaded to YouTube by Watts, and by him including the tagline from the master of horror Eli Roth, Watts was then approached by Roth to turn the fake trailer into a reality. And now, if you'll indulge me, a dramatic reading of The Back of the Box. A loving father dons a clown outfit and makeup to perform at his son's sixth birthday, only to later discover that the costume, red nose and wig included, will not come off and his own personality changes in a horrific fashion. To break the curse of the evil outfit, the father must make grim choices with his own family facing danger. So sister, what's your experience with uh, Clown? I'm pretty sure we watched it together the first time. Yeah. And I remember absolutely loving it. And then I don't know if I even watched it again after that. I'm not sure. I think this last rewatch might have been like the, your second the time. very second time or maybe the third, but the second yeah. time I watched it. And man, oh, man, this one is a gem. I feel like nobody and, talks about this movie. Like I no, and, I haven't heard anyone mention it. And, and I don't know if that's for good or bad reasons honest but. to god this is another this is one for me where i'm like know nothing going in don't read anything just like all you need to do, know is like dude puts on a clown suit fine great but don't learn anything else just go in completely blind before you watch it um i mean i kind of agree with that although i mean i think even if you know the basic premise then like it's it's still fine because there's plenty of like stuff that happens that you're like it doesn't like it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. hurt me if I know a little bit about the movie yeah um for me like you said I I'm pretty sure we just were probably you know random scrolling through Prime or something one night and we're like what's this one looks weird let's watch this oh scary clown movie like let's watch scary clown yeah, movie expecting it to be terrible I think. expecting it to be terrible and cheesy mm. and while there is I mean it's about a clown it's a scary yeah. movie about a clown of course there's gonna be cheese mm. and and like dark humor I mean like mm. there has to be but I I, I expected I, it to be more like killer clowns uh-huh. than it, and it's not what this is like yeah. this is this is much darker yeah than i think i expected it to be so yeah i was really kind of pleasantly surprised at that part mm-hmm. um it has its weaknesses and i mean we'll we'll talk about them but yeah i mean overall i, I this is probably the third or fourth time i've watched it mm-hmm. um but again i've never heard it pop up anywhere and i don't know if that's because just like it doesn't have the best like Rotten Tomatoes reviews and stuff, which normally I kind of ignore, ignore those to an extent because I'm like everybody's taste is subjective. I've absolutely and- loved movies that were like credited really highly and I've absolutely ha- like hated high movies yeah, and hated, loved I low love movies, movies and, and yeah. all and everything in between yeah. really. But yeah, no, I think this one is kind of a kind of a sleeper for me and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. So uh, with all that said, let's get going. Caution. Spoilers ahead. 
The movie opens to the sound of a blood-curdling child's scream. We see a shot of a clown figurine, followed by a bag of popcorn adorned with a clown's face, a gift wrapped in clown paper, and a clown cake. With each shot, it adds another child's scream to the cacophony. We're presented with the title Clown on a black background, and the screams give way to laughter as we see a family kitchen decorated for a birthday party with a few women standing around. A young boy, Jack McCoy, played by Christian DeStefano, emerges from some plastic construction sheeting and runs through the kitchen, followed closely by a dog and a couple of friends. Jack's mom, Meg McCoy, played by Laura Allen, warns him not to play in the room that I guess is maybe undergoing remodeling or something. She's like, there's nails. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, She says it's dangerous. And Meg's friend, Denise, played by Elizabeth Whitmere, says that they should have just dumped the kids off at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) Denise eyes a cupcake topped with a clown head saying that clowns are creepy and Meg says that Jack's seven and that's what he wanted and Denise can tell the real clown that he's creepy once he shows up so we can (laughs) we can expect a real clown up in here Denise offers Meg a drink um I think a glass of wine but Meg declines when Denise asks why Meg clams up and Denise asks her if she's pregnant Meg gives a knowing glance and the two women hug with Meg telling Denise that she can't tell Kent, Meg's husband, played by Andy Powers. We hear a man's voice say, what's the surprise? And Meg says hi to her dad, Walt, played by Chuck Shimada. Walt asks if Kent's actually coming with a look of clear doubt on his face. And Meg tries to reassure him that, yes, he's just running late. Okay, dad doesn't approve of the I was going to say, dad dad is not a fan of of, uh, Kent. Yeah. Just then, Meg's phone rings, and we see from her side of the conversation that she's disappointed. One of the plans for the party has obviously fallen through. The scene cuts to Kent on the phone with a client while he nails a for sale by Kent McCoy sign in the front yard. He hangs up and looks at his watch, quickly realizing that he's late. He hurries into the house to grab his things and his cell rings. It's Meg. He tells her that he's on his way and she lets him know that the clown isn't coming and says that Kent was supposed to have a backup. Kent says, who double books a clown? Which like, who double books a clown? Yeah, who double books a clown? Seriously. (laughs) Meg tells him to just hurry home as Kent notices a rack of what look like theatrical costumes hanging in the house. He tells Meg that everything will be fine and that he'll be home soon, and he starts rummaging through the clothes. He tries on a mop wig and a glitter tie, (laughs) hoping that it'll pass as a clown costume. It does not. And after putting on a silly voice and realizing that that shit ain't working, (laughs) he throws the wig away from him in disgust. He's like, hey, kids. And he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Suddenly, he notices a large antique looking chest in the corner and opens it up. We don't see what's inside, but Kent shows his excitement and satisfaction as he starts to remove something from the chest. Back at the house, Jack asks where Kent is and says that he's going to miss the clown. Meg bends down to break it to Jack that the clown isn't coming, but before she can say anything, we hear a silly voice say, Ladies and gentlemen, Jack's eyes light up and he yells, He's here! and runs off to see the clown. Behind the construction plastic, a silhouette of a clown says, presenting Dumbo the Clown. Kent breaks through, dressed in a rainbow wig, red nose, and frilly-necked Harlequin-esque pink and blue clown costume. Meg walks into the room to see Kent dancing and goofing off. They make eye contact, and he smiles. Kent, I mean Dumbo, tells everyone to cheer for Jack the birthday boy and that they are going to make it the best birthday ever. So this costume is like leather 
Like, it's not like silk or polyester. Like, I mean, this thing is very meticulously I did. crafted. Yeah, it is. And I did some research. Interestingly, the clown suit was going to be designed by Vivian Westwood. But oh, unfortunately, shit. she had other commitments designing Carrie Bradshaw's wedding dress for uh, Sex, Sex in, in the, the City. City <laughs> filmed 10 years prior. Instead, an undisclosed man designed it. And it's like, if it, and it says on here, like, if you look closely, you can tell by the stitch work that it's like. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not really. Kind of hacked together, but it I, is. I can't. I can't. It's gorgeous. It's a really pretty costume. And it looks I, I had antique. no idea it's about It's really, it does. It looks antique, but it looks like it's made of leather. It's yeah, so weird It's looking. very, very uh, non-traditional. Like, no. it's not what you're used to seeing. No. In the next scene, a vintage-looking video of a clown appears and a song called Frowny the Clown plays. The clown in the video here is a super quick cameo by Eli Roth. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, like, I had to, I mean, he's on the screen for maybe four seconds, and I was like, nope, that's definitely yeah. him in, like, full clown makeup. That's fucking great. <laughs> we see that Jack has fallen asleep in the middle of the floor while watching the video, surrounded by balloons and discarded wrapping paper. Kent, who is still in full costume, wakes him up, telling him that he has to go back to the circus, but Jack says he knows that that's his dad. Kent picks Jack up to carry him off to bed, insisting that his name is Domo. Meg wakes up from her spot on the couch and switches off the TV. Kent sends the dog outside and switches off the light, causing him to see his reflection in the back door, and he gets startled by his clownish appearance. He's yeah. like, oh, oh, I forgot he was wearing this. <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. He chuckles, saying he forgot he was a clown, and Meg tells him from the living room that Jack loved it. She asks Kent where he found that costume as he sits down on the couch next to her, and she gets up and straddles him in a gesture of, like, flirtatious affection. She asks where the zipper is, and Kent says, I don't know, it just slipped right on. And I'm, like, trying to flirt as a clown, like, oh no, not, it's not the go-to move. Meg obviously wants to make out, but she's hesitant as her husband is still dressed in his costume. She says that she thinks this is just a little too weird for her, and Kent tells her they can make a little clown baby. Oh, my God, don't say make a clown baby. I'm never having, I'm never, no, I'm never having sex again. I passed over. <laughs> Podcast canceled. I need therapy forever now. Don't make a little clown. Like, Don't say make a little clown baby. <sighs> oh. The sad part is, sister, I know the internet and I guarantee you that this is like a fetish. And it's, I'm not going to no, like. It's somebody's kink. I'm not going to kink shame, but this is not my kink. And that's not mine. No. It's not for me. This is not my journey. <laughs> no, but rule 34 <laughs> tells me. Some shit, some fanfic of this scene exists on the internet. Oh, That's all I'm saying. God. Now I need more therapy. <laughs> Meg is also not into it and says that she's going to go shower while Kent gets the costume off. She leaves the room and Kent turns on the TV and the dog outside begins to bark and some kind of alert. Kent shushes the dog and we see him doze off almost immediately. There's no way that I could sleep in that costume. Like that thing must not breathe. Even I mean, leather, like whatever. Plus, it comes right up to his throat. Yeah, like, it's it like a right high necked kind of frill all the way down to his wrist, all the way. It's up like to a his full throat. body. I suit. would have to be like, I need to get this off now, or I'm gonna have to sweep in a sleep in a swimming pool. Like, there's no way. But he just conks out. Meg shouts, Kent, and the scene cuts to the next morning where Kent has fallen asleep while still wearing the costume. Meg tells him that he's going to get clown marks on the couch, but Jack does not care. He's just excited that Kent is still a clown. 
Kent says he thinks his wig is stuck, and Meg tells him that he probably shouldn't have slept in it then. Meg tells Jack that the clown's going to drive him to school, and Kent starts to protest, but Meg kisses him goodbye and quickly leaves. Kent dejectedly sits down at the table, telling Jack to hurry up and eat, but Jack just smiles at him. He's very, very proud of his clown dad. Yeah. And he's also the slowest eater on the planet, like, because his dad's like, hurry up and eat, and the kid's just like, you can't, like, he can't eat. He's so excited. He's so happy. (laughs) The next shot is of Kent washing his face in the sink, and Jack yells that they need to hurry or they're going to be late. Kent pulls up in front of the school with Jack, Beanie pulled down over his brightly colored wig and dark coat over the costume, and apparently his little face wash did not do a thing because the clown makeup and red nose are still 100% in place. Jack hops out of the front seat and heads towards the school. Kent realizes that Jack's forgotten his lunch, and he gets out of the car to call after Jack. Jack comes back to retrieve it and just says, thanks, dummo, and we see a bunch of parents notice Kent in his clown costume. Kent just waves at them and says, great, under yeah. his breath. <laughs> like, that's a way to show up in the drop-off line at an elementary school. And Yeah, we also see the kids here, like, kind of whispering to each other. So maybe oh, yeah. the kid, maybe the son is, maybe Jack is the only one who thinks it's kind of cool that his dad's He's clown. a little kid. Right, he is. But there's some there's we'll some s- other kids where there's some other kids kind of whispering at each other and e- stuff and, and you're like and I didn't even notice the kids' reaction I just noticed the parents were like what in the hell yeah. is the what the hell is Kent McCoy up to right like, exactly in the is next- he a realtor <laughs> <laughs> yeah right I was going a step too far to try to show off for your my house <laughs> in the next scene Kent approaches telling someone off camera that he's there to meet them for the carpet removal on the first floor. There's not an answer right away, and the camera cuts over to three very confused-looking workmen. They're played by Antonio Nahara, Alex Pacheco, and Walter Pacheco. One of the men asks who he is, and Kent says he's the realtor. They ask why he's dressed like a clown, and Kent kind of chuckles and says, any of you have kids? Yeah. Like, I, and that's it. But yeah, he's like, look, man, I did this for my kid. Inside the house, the crew gets to work on the floor while Kent is in the bathroom, trying yet again to get the makeup off of his face. He starts to pull at the wig and strains to get it off, but it is not budging. Same with the clown nose. He tugs and tugs, but he's in obvious pain and screams fuck a few times because it's not coming off. The workmen overhear Kent and begin to laugh, and one says something in Spanish. I couldn't catch the whole phrase. But pinche payaso was part of it, which means fucking clown. (laughs) (laughs) I know enough Spanish to know that one. Oh, man, that's fucking great. Back in the bathroom, Kent struggles with the neckline of the costume, but it's also unmoving. He grunts in frustration and starts to tug at the wrists. And then like an idiot, he notices a box cutter beside him and decides to use it to cut the wrist of the costume. Yeah, this is smart. This like, is let's just smart. telegraph a fucking horrific injury, no, shall we? No, this is like, this, nothing bad can happen No, here. this is the smartest. And he cuts the costume free and nothing and, happens at the end. the end and, of the movie, happily ever after. <laughs> Kent inevitably slices the shit out of his wrist, blood <laughs> spurting into the sink. He's horrified at what he's done and quickly unwraps some toilet paper to wrap around the wound. That's not going to do it. Um, I mean, if you I, want toilet paper stuck to your blood, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the living room, the workmen are taking a break and Kent walks out. One of the men asks what's going on in there, but Kent ignores the question and just asks if he can use their reciprocating saw. 
He doesn't wait for an answer. He just grabs the tool and heads back into the bathroom. Kent places the saw blade at the neckline of the costume and says this is a bad idea before he turns it on. So at least he's learning from his experiences, sort of. (laughs) He yells aloud as the blade fires up, doing absolutely no damage to the costume at all. Suddenly we hear a pop and Kent drops the saw. The blade has broken off and the costume is still completely intact. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what kind of Kevlar leather shit this stuff is made out of, but this thing's like indestructible. Right. But like the clown costume is clearly fused to your body at this point. At what point do you just go to the hospital and just be like, it's stuck. It's stuck forever. I'm going to just take the rest of the day off and go to the doctor. I, I, I immediately I I'd be like, it's stuck. It's wrong. <laughs> Just go to the hospital now. Instead of trying to commit, like, self-surgery on... I mean... But, you know, he's stubborn. Just stubborn. Mm, I would guess. Back at Kent and Meg's house, Meg is in the kitchen cooking dinner. She hears a clattering sound in the distance and walks from the kitchen to the living room, but only sees Jack dutifully doing some homework. She then opens the back door and notices a creaky swing on the swing set that's slightly moving in the breeze. As she turns around to go back inside, she's startled by her dad, Walt. She asks what he's doing, and he says he wanted to surprise Jack with the swing set. Meg says that Kent was going to put it together, and Walt says he was just trying to help. But the way he says he was just trying to help is more like, Kent, I don't think Kent was actually going to do that. Like, oh, yeah. he he wasn't just trying to help. He was trying to just make be, sure it be got better done. than Kent. Yeah, or like, make sure that it got done because yeah. he didn't trust that Kent would do it. Yeah. And my guess is maybe that there's like... Maybe there's been reason for that up until this point for dad not to like. That's Kent. what I'm thinking, because like with a birthday party, he's like, is he even coming? You right. know, so like, I'm, I guess he's let them down in some yeah. respects, but I'm, whatever, whatever happened, there's a history there. Yeah. Meg and Walt head inside. After a while in the front of the house, we see Kent waiting in his car for Walt to leave. Back inside, Meg says that Kent just missed her dad and that she thought they were going to have family dinner together. She finally looks up to see Kent, still dressed in the clown garb. She stares in a bit of amusement while their dog's shadow barks and barks at Kent's appearance. Meg asks if Kent went to work that way, and Kent, frustrated, says that she doesn't understand. He can't get the costume off. He says he's been trying all day and that it's suffocating him, and that not to mention he really has to pee. <laughs> I know. that's It's very earnest, and he's like, I really have to pee. Yeah. So. <laughs> Meg reaches for his clown nose to try to remove it, but Kent just says, ow. Meg starts to giggle, and Kent asks why she's laughing at him. He's like, very, why? And she says, why are you laughing? Come on. I know. Well, she says he's so dumb, and now she knows why they call him dumbo. No. <laughs> Obviously not realizing, like, the severity of, the, of uh, what's going on. Yeah. In the bathroom, Meg rolls out some dental tools, and with a gloved hand, she grabs a pair of forceps and tells Kent to relax because this is what she does. So we learn that she's a dental assistant. Mm -hmm. She grabs the clown nose with forceps and begins to count. One, Kent says, ow, Ow. as she lightly tugs on the nose. (laughs) Two, Kent says, ow, Ow. more forcefully. (laughs) Ow, ow. Meg stops, but then regroups, grabbing the nose again and placing her other palm on his forehead. Yes. <laughs> she's, she's like, fucking brace yourself. She says she's going to do it quickly like a Band-Aid. Kent braces himself against the doorway and Meg pulls. The nose rips off, taking the tip of Kent's nose with it Ooh. in a bloody chunk. Ooh. And the clown nose splats to the floor. 
Shadow the dog is right there to eat the nose off the floor. And Meg yells at him, calling him a bad dog, while Kent just moans in pain and holds a cloth to his nose. Meg goes to comfort Kent by petting his hair, but she gets confused and asks if Kent has dyed his hair. He says it's a wig, but she says, no, it's not. Did you dye and perm your hair? Just then, Jack walks in to check on Kent, but Meg quickly escorts him back to bed. And we hear Jack ask quietly, what's Shadow eating? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobody thinks to take the clown nose from the dog. Just well, I mean, there's it. a bunch of shit going on. But, <laughs> but just because it's like off screen and he's just like, what's Shadow eating? Kent says to the empty room that daddy's okay while he continues to hold a cloth to his bleeding nose. The next scene starts in an emergency room, waiting room, with Kent sitting inside. So, so he did finally, finally go, to the, go to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. It could, now it's time. Now, now that my nose is bleeding, I have a sliced wrist, I tried to, like, take my neck off with the sawzall. Yeah, like, like, shit's going sideways, I guess, the <laughs> ER. It's probably time for yeah. that. It quickly cuts to Kent on an exam table, talking to a doctor, played by Alan Altman, who looks at Kent's nose and tells him that he's just going to have to wait for the adhesive to dissolve. Kent says there was no adhesive, and the doctor says that maybe someone's playing a prank on him. Kent's like, who would do that? Well, also, the EMS has got, like, the doctor could not be more bored. Oh, no, he's like, completely he's, disinterested in the whole situation. He doesn't he's like, give a fuck. He's no. not amused. He's nothing. He's just, like, taking his notes, and it's, <laughs> like, one more patient to get out of my ER so I can bring in the next yeah. sad sack. Yeah, no, you're completely right. It feels real. <laughs> yeah. The doctor notices the bandage on Kent's wrist and asks him what happened, and Kent says that he cut himself. He's quick to assure the doctor that it was just an accident. The doctor says that if Kent needs to talk to someone, he can get him in touch with a counselor. <laughs> Kent's like, okay, you don't understand. The hair growing from my head used to be a wig, and the, the makeup like won't come off my face. The doctor, not really understanding the gravity of the situation or caring, asks Kent what kind of makeup he usually uses as he disinterestedly <laughs> takes notes. Kent yells, I'm not a clown. And the doctor just like looks at him. He's like, okay, sir. Like, it feels too real. I mean, if you're working late nights at an ER, yeah, I'm sh I don't, uh, I don't know what, um, like city this takes place in if it's like right. a big city or whatever but like you see you all know, like I've sorts seen of six, shit i've seen six stabbings a shotgun wound and like four car wrecks already tonight sir. and two, I no <laughs> two dudes about who who fell on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i give no fucks about your happen to be stuck in a clown costume <laughs> yeah i don't know what sort of weird cake you get up to sir if you put super glue on your clown costume that's not i mean that's mm. between you and your wife <laughs> Are you married? Anyway, <laughs> back at the McCoy house, Kent sits on the floor of the shower with it running over him, still fully costumed and nose bandaged, and we hear violent gurgles from his stomach. He makes his way into the kitchen and cuts a huge hunk of Jack's birthday cake, eating it right from his hand. He catches sight of his reflection in the bottom of a pan and continues to eat the cake hungrily while alone in the dark kitchen. The next morning, we his see... His stomach is making some fucked up it's noises. It's not like either you're the hungriest you've ever been in your life or you need to go sit on the toilet because something's going to happen it real soon. Sounds like both is happening. It's violent. It yeah. is violent. The next morning, we see Shadow the dog outside tearing happily through all of the birthday garbage bags. Inside, Meg walks into the kitchen and sees a note reading, Gonna figure this out. Love, Kay. 
She looks up and gasps as she notices that the kitchen has been absolutely torn apart. Empty pudding cups, open cereal boxes, jam jars, dirty dishes everywhere. What a dick. Well, what a dick. But like, how hungry must he have been to eat the house? What a dick. No, he really, it's, it's. It looks like raccoons got into the kitchen. Shit's everywhere. It's it's kind of uncalled for. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're a grown ass man. You don't need to behave like that. You can't throw away a few containers. Fuck you. Like the cereal boxes (laughs) spilled on like on the counter, spilling onto the floor. Milk is like dripping. Yeah. No, it's it's not. It's that's just inappropriate. It's rude. All right. At the property that Kent is selling, he's on the phone with someone named Olive, and he asks her for information on the previous owner of the property. He says that he thinks the initials are KC, judging by what he sees on the trunk that he removed the costume from. He goes to open the trunk again to see if he can find more information, but sliding the trunk away from the wall, it stops short. The trunk is chained to the wall. Kent tells Olive that he'll come into the office to get the information himself. The moment I saw him pull the chest away from the wall and realized it was chained to the wall i was like this is a different kind of movie i'm in yeah I'm in i'm in this is like the exact moment i remember when i saw this you're like scene, oh i was like minute. this is this is this is gonna get this is gonna get weird yeah but like weird in the best way yes in the bathroom kent snips his brightly colored hair with scissors to shorten it he applies some just for men doing a very patchy job And he uses foundation to cover up his white face. He dons a long black overcoat and beanie. He pulls up to the real estate office and pulls back the bandage to inspect the damage to his nose. It is very ugly and still bleeding. Yeah, it's not Not healing. It does not look good. No. He quickly replaces the bandage as he sees some of his co-workers walk past his car. Inside the office, Kent says, hey, Olive, and walks quickly past her, stifling a cough. Olive, played by Jenny Esnard, says, hey, Kent, but she does a double take at his odd appearance. Coughing and wheezing, he quickly retrieves the files he's looking for from the file cabinet and moves to exit the room. He physically runs into Olive as he rounds the corner and he coughs loudly, letting loose a stream of revolting dark goo that splatters Olive right in the face. Okay, with this scene, I'm not okay with it. Kent quickly apologizes and leaves, leaving Olive confused and disgusted. This was such a... I didn't didn't even want to script this part. I was like, this is so nasty. Ew. Yeah, because he's like holding in a cough, which like I guess suddenly kind of developed out of nowhere. And then as soon as he bumps into her, he's like, Bleh! and just like it, it. Okay, we're gonna stop talking. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grossing myself out. Talk for 20 more minutes about the bile vomit. <laughs> Inside a diner, Kent eats while reviewing the real estate files. He sees on one of the forms that the owner is Martin Carlson, and that the reason for the home foreclosure is that the owner is deceased. Kent, knowing that the homeowner is a dead end, no pun intended, says son of a bitch and closes the file. A small girl is peering over the back of the booth at Kent curiously, and as he makes eye contact with her, his stomach growls loudly, which scares the little girl into popping down out of sight. What's happening? Well, and he just, like, the dishes on the table, like, he's eaten a ton of food and his stomach is still growling like that. Yeah. The next scene is in a costume shop with the shop worker played by Sarah Sheffer telling Kent that she doesn't know the origin of the costume, but that it looks really old and it smells weird. (laughs) She's like this cute little like goth chick and she's just like making this like that thing fucking stinks. Get it out of here. face. Also, did you throw up recently? Because I could tell. (laughs) Get out of here, please. 
Kent begs her to tell him anything she knows, and she says they just sell the cheap stuff, not like what he's wearing at all. She digs out a catalog and says that some places sell the kind of stuff he's wearing, and as she rifles through the pages, Kent quickly stops her and points to a page, saying, that one. He grabs the catalog and rips a page from it, leaving without saying a word. Back inside his car, Kent places a phone call and looks at the page he took from the catalog. On it is an ad for Carlson Costumes, the initials KC matching the ones on the trunk. A man answers the call, and Kent says that he's looking for some information on a clown costume that was found in Martin Carlson's basement. The man asks where Martin is, and Kent apologizes for being the one to have to break the news that Martin's passed away. The man quickly tells Kent that whatever he does, he should not touch the costume. He asks Kent if he's still at Martin's house, saying he'll be right over, and reiterates that Kent should just leave the costume alone. Kent says, I'm wearing it. The man on the phone says uh, he, he just wants Kent to be careful because it's old and fragile. And Kent says he doesn't think it's fragile at all. In fact, he can't seem to take it off. The man says that sometimes moisture and heat from the body constricts all the fibers and says that they should meet as soon as possible. This is completely unsuspicious. Right. The man asks if Kent can meet him at his warehouse, and Kent says sure, grabbing a pen to write down the address. The camera zooms in on Kent's hand as he writes, and we see that a dark substance is traveling through Kent's veins just under the skin. I did not notice this on the first couple of watch I didn't notice it at all. Yeah, it like zooms in on his hand and like the very fine veins in his hand and wrist, you can see that there's like a darkness kind of traveling through them. So it's like, Kent pulls up to a warehouse building and gets out of the car, opening the door to what seems to be a costume warehouse. He calls out for the man he's supposed to meet, but nobody answers. He wanders through the racks of costumes, coming upon a small kitchen area to the sound of a teapot whistling. Kent looks around with costumes and mannequins behind him, and one of the mannequins suddenly moves and hisses, Kent! <laughs> the jump scares in this movie are kind of cheap, but like, yeah. but whatever. It's Burt Carlson, played by Peter Stormare! Dude, I was waiting, was waiting, was waiting. I know, because as, as soon as I, I heard I saw his, your face light up when I said the man answers as, the phone. As soon as I heard his voice on the phone, I was like, that's Peter Stormare, I know who it is immediately. Oh, yeah, no, his, his, his accent's kind of unmistakable. voice, and also another, it was like another moment where I was like, I'm in. I love I'm Peter Stormare. I'm invested to this movie to the end. I don't care what kind of piece of crap it is. <laughs> Peter Stormare is in it. it. <laughs> I do not give a shit now. Like that's kind of how I feel when Lynn Shay is in a movie. Yep. I'm, I'm like, like this I don't movie, care how far off the rails. We have it goes. watched some shitty Lynn Shay movies, and I'm like, I don't care. Lynn Shay was in it. Yep. That gives it an extra point for yep. me. Yep. Fucking Peter Stormare is in it. That means it's it's a great movie in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> gets he gets extra points. <laughs> the two men shake hands, and Carlson asks if Kent would like some tea. Kent drinks his tea and wolfs down some cookies while Carlson explains that he's been traveling abroad for a while and hadn't spoken to Martin in years. Carlson explains to Kent that the costume he has on is a very old traditional Nordic costume and that it wasn't until later that the costume became a silly character. The original clown, he explains, was not funny at all. Kent asks Carlson how they're going to get the costume off, and Carlson grabs a book, saying that very few people know the real origin of the clown. He opens the very, very old book for Kent, showing a disturbing picture of a clown-like creature labeled Cloyne. Carl says that the creature lived in very cold regions, with snow-white skin and a nose chapped red from the cold. He continues that the creature would lure children into its cave, 
five children, one for each cold month of winter. Over the centuries, the legend of the cloin was forgotten, but the image morphed into what people now know as the clown. Kent studies the book in horror with his vision going blurry. His words start to slur and he drops his teacup as he asks, why are you showing me this? Kent looks up at the man, vision blurred, and Carlson says, so you can understand. Kent tries to stand up, but we hear his body thud to the floor and the scene cuts to black. Homeboy got drugged. He got drugged. And okay, so I mean, it's my deep dive week, so I'm going to go down some rabbit holes. I love it. I love it. Um, So I had to know if there was any truth to like any of this. The the legend. No. The coin is like actually an Irish word. It's not Nordic in any way, shape, or form. No, and I don't think it's the same mythology, is it? There's no myth. No, there's yeah, no. The, right. It was all the made up. Was, for it the was movie. all made up for the movie. It's a creation. However, the closest thing I found to that type of folklore, because there are actual folklore, there are actual a couple of monsters in a couple of different traditions where uh, it is something like that that steals children one is called the duen it's a it's a mythological entity from trinidad and uh tobago folklore Mm -hmm. and their most recognized characteristic is their feet are said to be backwards the heels facing front and the knees backwards so they're and they're they're faceless they usually wear like a giant straw hat but they can call the child's name and the voice of a parent to lead the children away and steal them and eat them creepy pied piper shit that's right that's one or the other one that's probably more popular is the lamia which is from greek mythology Mm -hmm. um which is a serpentine uh, creature that's said to still and eat children but it looks human mm. so there are there are some like pulled from some actual real folklore out there oh, yeah but i'm like i gotta yeah we gotta know you about know this my yeah thing. you know my supernatural fan ass has to like go look for something <laughs> like is it real though like tell me true so no, i know because they would have covered it on supernatural if it was based in reality <laughs> <laughs> we suddenly hear the sharpening of a blade in the blackness and the scene begins with kent in the foreground just beginning to come to with a moan Carlson stops sharpening the blade and tells Kent that he expected him to be out for hours. He said he would give him more tea, but he can't risk Kent getting away from him. Carlson tries to reassure Kent that everything will be okay, telling him that decapitation is the only way to stop the demon. So will everything be okay or are you going to cut my head off because those two... Those Are you two saying things everything do not agree? will be okay because you're going to cut my head off? Either like, way, okay my- for who? You or me? Not me. I don't want to play this game anymore. (laughs) Just let me go. Kent struggles, his wrists bound to the table, as Carlson approaches him with a sharpened meat cleaver, positioning it it against Kent's neck. Carlson says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And just as he goes to strike, Kent is able to break his bindings and roll out of the way. He doesn't quite make it all the way out of the way, however, as he stands and notices that the cleaver is sticking out of his shoulder. Kent yells, what the fuck, at Carlson, <laughs> who just stammers and apologizes. This is another great suit. I'm sorry. Finish your thought on that. Kent pulls the cleaver from his shoulder and throws it at Carlson, breaking a mirror. He hops over the table and tackles Carlson to the ground, but Carlson reaches quickly into a drawer, grabbing a gun. He aims at Kent, but Kent's able to wrestle it away and asks Carlson what the fuck he's doing as he holds the gun to Carlson's face. Carlson says that what Kent's wearing is not a costume. It is the skin and hair of a demon. So <laughs> the humor, like, that where yeah. there's little bitty bits of humor in this because, like I said, in that's the John, intro. That's John Watts writing, too. Like uh, I don't really know any of his writing. Like, this is the only, I didn't go, like, I don't I know. He's if, 
he did a Marvel movie, I think. Oh, that's right. He did like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home or something. Something like that. But he has humor. Like he's humorous. He's a smart and humorous writer. And like. I love the moments of that in this the movie. The writing in this movie is pretty good. I the like conversational, it. The conversational like. So mm-hmm. it feels it feels natural it doesn't feel forced to me mm-hmm. but it's part of what i like about this movie well and what i like too is like okay so we've seen countless numbers of movies where it's like there's a supernatural or de- demonic or paranormal kind of entity and like the you know wise scholar who studied this shit forever kind of lays the the folklore mythology out to whoever's asking the question you know vince d'onofrio's done it a few times and like in a couple of like movies and lynn shay has done it right right so we get that sort of like lofty explanation of like the client and the costume five minutes of exposition all right right, okay got it got it but that is peppered in with a little bit of like you said the realistic dialogue where Kent's just like what, what the fuck? fuck you actually cut me with a cleaver you <laughs> bastard yeah. yeah so I kind of like that it's like cutting through a little of the loftiness with some just like down to earth it stuff. also has a mumblecore vibe to it too like a, it, a little bit yeah with the like it's a lot less focused on just like violence 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 and scare 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 right out of the gate well Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. <laughs> the first part of the movie, I will agree with did you. Did I this. just, did I say right out of the gate? <laughs> the second part we will talk about. <laughs> At the McCoy's house, Meg holds her cell phone nervously while she sits on the sofa. She jumps up as she sees a flash of headlights through the window and hears the screeching of tires outside. Kent bursts through the front door, screaming for Meg to call 911, and Meg asks where he's been. In a panic, Kent says that the man whose house had the clown suit in it tried to kill him because he's convinced that Kent is a demon. Kent says they have to go to the cops and that Meg needs to go with him because they're going to think he's crazy if he's dressed like a clown. He trails off as he notices that they're not the only two in the house. Walt, who's sitting on the sofa next to Denise and her husband Dave, played by Victor Cornfoot, says what the fuck just like hard judging him from that couch he's like i literally heard everything you said and and what the fuck is the only appropriate response how many drugs what kind of drugs right yeah what is going on yeah yeah. he has heard everything that kent has just said dave asks kent if he's wearing makeup and walt tells kent to let go of meg Kent tries to plead his case to the others in the room saying that he knows it sounds crazy but that the man who attacked him is the crazy one Denise is unconvinced, saying that this is a really unfunny joke, and Dave tells him to just take off the clown suit. Kent yells at Dave, telling him that he's not making this up, and Meg asks if that's blood on Kent's shoulder. He says, yes, it's my blood, and it's because of the man who tried to chop me up with a cleaver. Meg asks, who did? The scene cuts then to Kent's car, with Carlson tied up and yelling against his gag in the back seat. The, the obvious wise choice would be not to not to just fight the guy off and get away, but let's tie him up and fucking throw him in the back seat. Smart. Yeah. The group stands around the car and Walt asks who the man is. Kent, with tears in his eyes, says that the man tried to cut off his head because he thinks Kent's turning into a demon. Meg looks at Kent with sheer concern on her face, but Dave makes a move at Kent, telling him to take the fucking costume off and grabbing at Kent's hair. Kent catches Dave's arm and bending it backward, Dave's forearm snaps, the bone protruding through the skin. 
Like his strength is whole. So I said, as, like I said, not right out of the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Things are escalating quickly. Kent looks aghast at what he's done. And as the others look on in horror and tend to Dave, Kent gets in the car and asks Meg to meet him at the police station. He speeds away and we get a quick glimpse of Jack looking out at the scene from the upstairs window. This is OK. So this scene right now, I just have to say a momentary appreciation for a- Andy Powers acting here because yeah. I looked him up during the scene because he deals a very powerful man unraveling performance here. Mm-hmm. His tears are stifled. Like they're there, but mm-hmm. he's stifled. He's choking back tears. It's not like it's not comical. It's done in a very quiet way. Yeah. Um. And he's done very little big screen work. He has some cre- credits in quite a few dramas. So he yeah. has like earned his stripes doing TV dramas, like mm-hmm. one episode of everything. Yeah. Get this guy out there and more horror though. He's fantastic. He's really good. He's, he's really fantastic. good. Yeah. In the car, Kent tells Carlson that he's going to go to jail, and Carlson is able to wriggle out of his gag, telling Kent that he's trying to help him. Kent's stomach gives a violent gurgle, and he spits up a multicolored blob onto the Just, windshield. Like come it's, on, like, man. but it looks like con- like confetti colors. Like it's it's like when you. <laughs> When you go through a car wash and you get the unicorn rinse and it's yeah, like all the different colors. But it's wrong. It's no, like it's the dark r- color. It's like, but it's gross. He desperately wipes it away with his hand. And <laughs> he also turns on the windshield wipers, which like makes no fucking sense because he threw up inside the car, I mean, not outside. I don't know. I probably would be stressed at the fact that I just <laughs> threw up on a windshield and might also <laughs> instinctively do the same thing. <laughs> just take it away. Suddenly, he begins yelling in pain as we see his fingers begin to elongate. Kent's distraction is the perfect chance for Carlson to spring up from the back seat, wrapping his wrist binding around Kent's neck to choke him. Kent struggles as Carlson strangles him and steps on the gas, and we see that Kent's foot is now growing larger, bursting through the seams of his shoe. The speedometer creeps upward as Kent swerves all over the road, narrowly missing a head-on collision with another car. Kent is able to pull the emergency brake, sending the car sliding sideways into a concrete construction barrier. Kent crawls out of the car and pulls Carlson out of the back seat, who's spitting blood. Kent slams him against the hood of the car, asking Carlson what the hell he's doing to him, but all Carlson can manage is a weak, kill yourself before, and he slides to the ground. Kent's stomach growls again, and he walks away from the car with a focused look on his face. A man who witnessed the accident approaches Kent, asking if he's okay, but Kent just shoves him away and continues to walk with purpose towards the witness's car, his stomach still churning and growling. Kent sees two small children peering at him through the back window of the car, and Carlson calls out again, kill yourself. Kent looks in alarm at the two kids as his stomach growls, and knowing what that means, he lurches away into the woods that line the road. Yeah, he finally got it. He's finally, like, I finally am, I'm hungry, hungry for, for children. children. Yeah. Yeah. And it horrifies him. It horrifies me. That's I, horrifying. Yeah. In the next scene, Meg is inside a police station talking to a detective. The detective asks what Kent was wearing the last time he was seen. On costume. And Meg, <laughs> well, Meg says that he was wearing a long coat and a dark hat, being sure to leave out the details of the clown suit and makeup. Well, because they just would have laughed at her. Like just they, like a clown. Just like a goddamn clown. So I kind of get why she doesn't say anything, oh, no. but at the same I do time, too. Like, I do too. The detective offers Meg a business card, telling her to call him if she hears anything, and she stands up to leave. 
Back at the McCoy house, Walt tells Meg that maybe it's a chemical thing going on with Kent, that he seems like the perfect dad, but Walt cuts himself off, telling Meg that he wants her and Jack to come stay with him. He says that she can't baby Kent and that she should tell Jack that his dad's dangerous. Meg scoffs, saying that she doesn't want to listen to this anymore, that Kent was scared, not dangerous. Walt takes the hint and leaves the room. The scene, Didn't he just break dude's arm? Like, that's dangerous, boo. Like, I don't care how I, scared somebody is. If no, they're scared you're not and wrong. they snap somebody's elbow out of their skin. Well, especially just by grabbing it. I mean, like. It's pretty dangerous. And kind of, like I said, like, fear, how are you that fucking strong? Fear can be dangerous. <laughs> so can angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> that's like bath salts territory at this point. Did you eat a face? Yeah. The scene cuts to Meg tucking Jack into bed and Jack asking if what's going on is his fault. I don't like that. I know. I like this poor little Sweet baby. baby. Meg says it's not anybody's fault and that Jack needs to try to get some sleep. She kisses his forehead and leaves the room. Jack looks up at a picture of Dumbo the clown that he's drawn with a worried look on his face. It's like him and mommy and Dumbo. And I'm just like, <laughs> you baby. He just wanted a clown for yeah. his birthday. In the woods, we hear the whoops and hollers of some young boys while we see Kent lurking in the shadows. Inside a tent, a young scout, played by Miller Timlin, is startled awake by a noise, and a man's hand comes through the flap to get his attention. It's the scoutmaster telling the scout that he left his plate by the fire and he needs to go clean it up. That's another one of those, like, whoa! Uh. There's so many of those in this movie. <laughs> like jump jump scares that turn out to be nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it was just a cat. Oh, it was just this. Oh, it was just that. I, I think I don't know that any of the jump scares in the movie are actually anything. I think no. they're all just like keep oh. you on edge. Yeah. The scout gets up and leaves the tent to go take care of his plate. And using a flashlight to find his way back, he hears a loud gurgle in the woods. He shines the flashlight around to see Kent collapsed by a tree. The scout gasps, dropping his plate. Kent asks if the boy has any food, and the scout reaches into his pocket to retrieve something for him. He's like, I have these, and it just looks like a little candy or something. Like He holds it out to Kent, who immediately grabs his arm and bites off his fingers. Oh. The scout runs away, screaming into the woods, Poor Kent. as would I. <laughs> well, and he was just like a little chubby like scout, and he probably wasn't even supposed to have that food. You know what I, I mean? Because like, oh, he gets his fingers bitten off being nice. <laughs> Terrible. The next morning, we see Jack at his school, and we overhear Meg telling the principal that the only people who should be allowed to pick Jack up are herself or Denise. Meg exits the principal's office, reiterating to Jack that either she or Denise should be the only ones to get him from school, and she asks what he should do if he sees his dad. Jack doesn't answer, asking Meg instead if his daddy is bad, and she says no, that he just has some grown-up stuff he needs to do. She presses again, asking what Jack should do if he sees Kent, and Jack says that he should tell Kent that the teacher needs to talk to him and that he should call Meg. Meg kisses Jack and leaves him, telling him, bye, doll. As soon as she exits, two boys walk past Jack, mockingly calling out, bye, doll. Please. And one of them shoves Jack into a wall. These fuckers. These, <laughs> I think they are credited as these fuckers in the credits. Because <laughs> that is what they possible. are. Little shitbags. Oh, yeah. We go back to the woods and see Kent sleeping underneath a pedestrian bridge. He gets up and he staggers away from the spot he was sleeping. So he's spent the night in the woods and he was close to a scout camp 
we don't really know what happened, except that he ate some fingers. Uh, yeah. Meg gets home and listens to the message on the machine. It's Walt calling to make sure that everything's okay and see if she's heard anything about Kent. She catches sight of the book that Kent brought home from Carlson's and she begins to flip through it. She sees disturbing pictures of the ancient cloying creature, tons of notes and research, photos of demon-like creatures, and gasping, she slams the book shut. I want this book. Ugh, all these props in these movies that are like notes that look just like old on these like yellowed pages and stuff. I want all of them. I yeah, want all of them just see. hanging out in my house. We next see Kent inside a service station bathroom examining himself in the mirror. One eye has changed to a white-blue color, and his teeth are becoming sharper and more jagged. He coughs into the sink, spitting out multiple bloody teeth. Yeah. Or possibly bits of bone. No. Ah. I, don't, I guess hard. it could be a finger bone. It could be finger bones. We can't really tell. They're small. They look like teeth, but that could well, be finger it bones. It could be finger bones. I, I don't really yeah. know. He backs away, startled, and overhears the sound of a school bus outside making a pit stop for the restrooms. Kent goes into a stall and closes the door, pulling his feet up onto the toilet seat. The sound of playfully shouting boys surrounds him, and one knocks on Kent's stall, asking if anyone's in there. He sees a pair of feet beneath the stall partition next to him and slowly reaches out towards them, Almost uncontrollably. Yeah, yeah. Like he has just, no control over his, yeah. his faculties at this point. Just as, he, just as he's about to grab the occupant, he falls off of the toilet and a boy screams. Kent looks up, seeing a school-aged boy looking over the stall partition at him, yelling in fear. Kent quickly exits and runs out of the bathroom, slamming into the chaperone and yelling, stay away from me, as he runs off. <laughs> so he's like, the dude's like, I was literally standing here. Like, why, why... Why you gotta be like that? He unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Kent is next seen on a bus, garbage bags duct tape around his overgrown feet, looking miserable and frightened in his beanie and his overcoat. He looks like he's in so much pain. He's miserable. Like, he still has to pee. He's still, <laughs> oh my God, has he peed yet? I mean, I'm sure he's peed and pooped in that costume. Oh but like, I don't know, man. That's not something I'd care to think too much about. But no, he looks defeated i mean he just looks yes. like he's broken he goes everyone thinks he's crazy mm -hmm. he's fused to a clown costume Hip tip of his nose is gone his feet are weird any like answers that he's gotten just raise more questions and the dudes tried to cut off his head <laughs> like and and told him to kill himself it's a bit it's a bad week for real estate <laughs> this market sucks this market really sucks and this economy go ahead he goes to one of his properties, a one-story apartment complex slash hotel of some kind, and he goes to retrieve the key from the lockbox. The key falls to the ground, and as he bends to pick it up, a young voice says, Are you a clown? Startled, Kent stands up, looking at a young boy who introduces himself as Robbie, played by Michael Rindeau. The boy asks Kent's name, but Kent doesn't respond. His stomach just growls. The boy says that Kent must be really hungry, and he begins to list all the things he has to eat that he can offer to Kent. So I have cookie foods. crisp, and I have waffles, and I have chocolate chips, and I have jelly beans, and I have beef jerky. Like, this sweet, <laughs> sweet angel little boy. He's probably about Jack's age, so like know, six or seven. Yeah. And, yeah. like, it's... <laughs> Where it's, are your parents? No. Where are your parents? Yeah. Kent tells Robbie to stay away and quickly enters the room, shutting the door. 
Robbie climbs a chair that's sitting outside the window to try to peer in at Kent, who quickly draws the curtains. Inside, Kent places his cell phone and Carlson's gun on the table. He removes his hat and overcoat, and we see that the costume has become more form-fitting to Kent's body. It's now like a second skin. Yeah. His stomach growls ravenously again, and there's a knock at the door. With the chain lock holding the door shut, Kent opens it a crack, and there's Robbie, smiling and offering Kent a small bag of cereal. It's like the most wholesome thing. It's like some freaking Lucky Charms or something. He's like, I have this. No. Oh, my God. Kent slams the door, fighting his urge to attack as his stomach rages. Robbie keeps calling out Mr. Clown from outside the door, and Kent is tortured by the child's voice. He lays down on the ground with his hands over his ears and screams in agony. Yeah. It's, oh. It's great. It's it's terrible. It's great. It also is a great reveal of this first sort of, like, like the glimpse of the transformation he's the going glimpse through of the transformation yeah. that he's going through so this this movie handles the like metamorphosis arc is like handled really cool here i like it the full body shot features special effects by makeup artist tony gardner who has almost like 200 makeup uh, department credits but worked on hocus pocus oh wow zombie oh, land zombie I- land double tap um, and Bad Grandpa, just to name a few. His first job was on Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead. Nice. And he played the zombie climbing out of the grave in Michael Jackson's Thriller. Aw, yay. <laughs> Hard eyes. So he's been around. Oh, like, my God. He's I been love around. it. He's been doing makeup for a long, long time. And uh, like, according to IMDb, like he is he's very prolific, but he's also known as like one of the most reliable makeup artists because I he gets that. in, gets the job done, works hard, gets it that get like cameras it out. And see, I love that because, you know, we talk so much about like the K- Stan Winston K- and BFX yeah. and Stan Winston and. You know, I feel like the workhorses of the industry, like yes. this guy, like they don't get the recognition nope. they they're deserve. They're out there, man. They're out there. Like, <sighs> I miss Face Off. At the McCoy house, Shadow the dog is growling and snarling. Meg says he's acting crazy and that maybe he ate something strange. Jack asks if it's because Shadow ate Kent's clown nose and suddenly Meg's cell rings. It's Kent. Meg asks what's going on, but Kent just tells Meg that he's so sorry. She begs him to tell her where he is and that everything is okay, but he just apologizes again and says, this is the only way. He hangs up. Meg is distressed at Kent's sudden departure from the phone, but she turns as Jack asks when Kent's coming home. Meg says that Kent will be home tonight and that everything will be okay. She lies to her kid. Yeah, because everything looks very much not okay as we cut back to the apartment bathroom where Kent puts a revolver into his mouth and pulls the trigger. He falls back against the bathroom wall, multicolored spatter of clown brains and blood against the wall. We sit quietly in this moment with the sight of Kent slumped against the wall having just shot himself, but Kent quickly sits back up and groans. He touches the back of his head to check the damage and he groans again. This Carlson movie, said, man, decapitation's the only way. Yeah, there's some subtle body horror here, but it makes my skin crawl. Like, well, because the, the shot, rainbow black that sprays, sprays out when he shoots himself gave me the heebies because it looks wrong. It's like 
still looks dirty. The colors are sickly. Well, it's that's like the thing. It's rainbow not like, snowball, snowball pukers. Yeah, it, that's the thing. It's not like just like bright like rainbow paint. No. It's like if you mixed that paint with like bile, bile. or it's it's it, gross. It, it is very sick. gross. It makes you feel sick. And the, it, it's like in a very starkly lit like bathroom and and you just sit in that moment for a minute. It's quiet. It's totally quiet. And after he shoots himself, he just slumps against the wall and sits there. And it's not like he immediate like you go, wait a minute. Is he what dead? The hell? There's a couple of shots in this movie where you just kind of sit there yeah. with nothing happening, just kind of in the moment. And yeah. I like that because there are some movies that I feel like every second has to be full or explanatory or action or gore or whatever. And this one's just like, no, no, no. Be uncomfortable for a minute. Yeah. And I like that. Back at the house, Meg is in her car, Denise handing her a stack of files. Apparently, these are the files on all of Kent's sale properties. Denise tells Meg that it's going to take her all night to find Kent, but Meg says she'll find him. She tells Denise that the last time they had a big fight, Kent was just hanging out at one of his properties. Denise scoffs and calls him an asshole, and Meg agrees, but with like a note of wistfulness in her voice and her face. So it's like, like she'd give anything to call him an asshole to his face one more time, you know? Inside a hardware store, Kent is back in his, quote, human costume with the beanie, dark coat, and now a pair of sunglasses on. He looks at circular saws as King of Clowns by Neil Sedaka plays on the PA system. This is such a great song, and it's very creepy. Yeah. He goes to check out with some duct tape, some hooks, and a couple of circular saws, and the hardware store employee smiles and asks if he's building a fun house. Kent just stares at him through his dark glasses and the employee's smile quickly fades as he just continues to ring up Kent's items. He's oh no, like, he's fucking crazy. He's like, oh, I'm just, <laughs> I, sorry I spoke oh, no, to you, sir. He's uh, not okay in the yeah. brain. Yep. In the apartment, King of Clowns plays more loudly as Kent begins to set up a circular saw on a cinder block. We cut back and forth between Meg traveling from property to property looking for Kent as Kent continues rigging something up in the apartment. Meg continues looking with no luck, and as King of Clowns finishes playing, we see Kent's arrangement. Two circular saws, blades angled towards one another. It's like a spinning decapitation machine. Kent sits in a chair with his back to the blades, turning around to check them one last time. He steals himself and begins to lean backwards in the chair, but he tips himself forward with a sigh. We see Meg knock on a door and getting no answer, she begins to try varying keys inside the lock so she can get in. Back inside the apartment, the blades spin loudly and Kent tries again to tip himself backwards, almost getting there, but throwing his weight forward at the last minute. He grits his teeth with tears in his eyes, willing himself to do it. This is rough to watch. It is. Meg continues to try keys in the lock. And with one last ditch effort, he tips himself backwards just as the apartment door opens and light pours in. But it's Robbie yelling, Mr. Clown, in shock at what he sees. Kent is thrown off by Robbie's sudden appearance and rolls away from the saws, which he was able to avoid. Robbie walks in the room to check on Kent, but Kent says no, just as the two saws strike each other. We get a view of a broken saw blade shooting across the room and into the wall, dripping with blood. The camera moves over to Robbie, standing shocked and silent as we notice a large bloody slash across his back. Robbie drops to his knees and falls to the floor, dead. Kent drops down to check on him, horrified. 
But as his hands touch the blood, his stomach erupts in a loud grumble, and he gingerly tastes a bit of the blood off of his fingers. Outside the apartment, we see Kent's door slam shut, and 10 seconds later, Meg's van pulls into the parking lot. This is another one of those shots where you're just sitting there and nothing is happening. You see Kent's uh, door shut from the outside. You're just waiting to hear, like, a scream or some chewing or anything, but you're just focused on a quiet empty parking lot and you know what's going on at a closed door you know what's going on on the other side of that door um and it and meg doesn't show up like right away she shows up i counted 10 seconds later that's a long shot for nothing to happen um i wanted to take a moment here if i can yeah uh eli roth in an interview with joe blow movies uh in 2016 so they really wanted to give John Watts the opportunity to make a really dark and strange, interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he said Watts really wanted to make a movie like The Fly mm. um, and not just do a typical slasher. And he he uh, went on to mention that John and Chris are very intelligent writers that didn't want to make the obvious scary slasher, which he believes is the movie's strength. He said that they they went on to create this strange, disturbing character piece. And I kind of noted that when he's trying to tip himself back on the saw blade and like just he just can't do it, which like those are quite like those are moments you never see in humanity. But those are quiet moments Mm -hmm. of like inner struggle of like, I am too scared to kill myself. I know what I have. But he knows he has to do it. Right. I know what I have to do, but I can't do it. I'm just an average Joe. I'm a fucking realtor. Like I, I, oh, insane set of circumstances put me here in this moment where like the end is the only, like taking myself out is the only answer here. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's handled really I really like well i think it's a very poignant moment and of course just then tragic because the little kid that we love probably like other than jack the only kid that i really liked yeah in this movie just gone just gone well, and, and the thing is too kent didn't kill kent, him no he, he it was like a, a literal accident yeah. and then suddenly he's like I kind of have to do this. Yeah, it's like some trickster shit. Like, it's just like the opportunity yeah. to eat the child fell at his feet. Right. And it's like, how are these circumstances happening? Yep. Yeah. Ugh. Meg knocks on the door of Kent's apartment, but gets no answer. And as she slips the key into the lock, Kent yells no from the other side of the door. He tells Meg not to open it, and she tells him that it's okay. Kent says that she doesn't understand, but Meg pleads with him to let her take him home. She says she knows that something's happening to him and that she believes him, that they'll figure it out together. Inside the apartment, we see Kent sitting on the floor with his head in his hands and listening to Meg as she begins to cry, saying that Jack needs him and she needs him because she's pregnant. Kent finally opens the door and Meg gasps in shock at Kent's appearance. He tearfully asks her to take him home and reaches out to grab her hand with his long fingers, his fingernails beginning to tear off. Meg shuts the door and we get a brief view inside the apartment. As the door shuts, the light that is shining off of the bloody bones on the apartment floor are thrown into darkness. Such a good like creature moment, like a monster moment. The thing is, you don't see in the you will later, but here you just see the a quick brief of a, a quick glimpse of the aftermath of what happened. You don't right. see him eating. You don't no. hear him eating. You just, no. just see 
two seconds, maybe a second and a half of like a bloody pile of bones and then it's in the dark and then we're on to the next thing. I kind of wish the movie would have stayed in this area more, but as we'll see, mm. we're going into the third act and yeah, it we'll we'll talk. <laughs> we'll definitely talk. Back at home, Meg helps Kent into the basement. She retrieves some chains from Jack's swing set and chains Kent by the neck to a pipe. He tells her that he can feel himself changing, and she asks what she can do. Kent tells Meg that no matter what, she needs to promise that she won't let him out. She promises that she won't let him out until they can get him fixed. She hands him a padlock and leaves the basement. I would have padlocked him myself, but whatever. Yeah. Meg sits down with Carlson's book, rifling through the pages. She finds a newspaper clipping with the headline, Hero Doc Gives Families Hope, accompanied by a picture of two men. They are Dr. Martin Carlson and his brother, Herbert. Another clipping reports that Dr. Carlson opened a children's cancer ward and Meg shakes loose the pages to find more clippings. She comes across a Polaroid photo of a man in the same clown costume as Kent's entertaining children. A written caption on the photo says, Bert Carlson cheers up the kids, 1978. Oh. Carlson was in that costume. Oh. So there are some questions to be yeah, answered. Yeah, there are. Meg suddenly hears Kent cough violently from the basement, and we see in her face that she's made up her mind to do something. Yeah. She's just like, all right, here we go, but we don't know what that is. The next scene is in Carlson's hospital room. He's not dead. I thought for sure he had bitten the fucking it's dust. Peter Stormare, he don't die. That's true. You can well, shoot him and cut no, off. No, his- he dies. I mean, some movies he dies, but like he dies a lot. Actually, he actually dies quite a, a bit. Dies a lot in a lot but of he's movies. A, but he's a hard fucker to kill. Really, that's really that's what it very is. True. Yeah. Meg walks into the hospital room and closes the curtain. Carlson looks at her and she asks him if he knows who she is. She tells him she wants to talk to him, but he, Carlson just shows his teeth to her. His jaw has been wired it's shut. Tight. Yeah, so he didn't die, but like he's, he's not he's great. W- he fucked up. He's, he's not very great. fucked up. Yeah. She says she doesn't know what happened between Carlson and Kent, but she just wants her husband back. Carlson's arm shoots out towards Meg, reaching for a pen and paper. She slides it to him, and Carlson writes, "Where is he?" Meg lies and tells him that she doesn't know, but that the police are looking for him. Carlson writes again, this time, only I can help. Meg says that the suit does things to people, and Carlson writes, don't trust him. He points over and over at the underlined statement, and Meg asks how to get the suit off, but Carlson just points over and over again, don't trust him. Meg gets the photo of Carlson wearing the suit from her pocket, showing it to him and asking how he got the suit off. Carlson stops pointing for a moment, but then he begins again. Meg says that if he can't help her, she'll find another way. As she leaves, Carlson begins groaning in frustration. So he knows he's busted. He's like, fuck. It's fantastic Peter Stormare pen acting. I don't like, (laughs) I'm like, he is is acting the fuck out of that pen. (laughs) Like, he's really like, (laughs) he's very much. Trust him, but he he doesn't say a word. He can't speak. Nope. It's so great. Meg goes to the Carlson property, walking cautiously through the house. She makes her way down into the basement, looking curiously at all of the costumes and items around her. She notes a concrete slab in the middle of the floor with two thick pegs sticking out of it. Her eyes then fall on a chair turned upside down, the holes in the chair legs about the same size as the pegs in the slab. 
She places the chair into the pegs and locks it in place, and we can now see that it's a restraint chair with shackles at the wrists and ankles. Meg then looks at a tall item covered with a sheet facing the chair. She removes the sheet to reveal a video camera, noticing that it is pointed focused directly onto the chair. She looks into the camera and turns it on to play the tape inside and sees Martin Carlson walking around the empty restraint chair and presses the rewind button so she can see more. I don't really know how that battery would still be working if they hadn't spoken in years and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, hey, whatever, just details. mm, Yeah, I mean, it's exposition. I know, I know, I know. But it still bothers me because that's who I am. Now at Jack's school, Jack sits on the stairs crying. The two boys from earlier, I'm sorry, the two shit bags from earlier, Ugh, hate these kids. Walk up behind Jack and mock him, saying, What's wrong, doll? Are you crying? Jack takes a half hearted swing at their legs, telling them to shut up, and the boys stand him up and corner him. One of the boys pours glue onto his hand, asking if Jack wants to look like a clown like his dad. Actually, he calls him his homophobic slur dad. Oh, yeah. Just as he brings the glue close to Jack's face, Jack reaches out and bites the kid's hand and then good. runs off out of the school fucking doors. Fucking good. You probably have diseases now, but fucking good. <laughs> Fuck that kid. We see Jack running down the street away from the school. Back at the Carlson house, Meg presses play on the videotape. She sees a demon-like clown creature restrained in the chair with Martin Carlson pushing a wheelchair holding a child towards the creature. We only see Meg's horrified reaction as we hear the child screaming from the tape and the aggressive, demonic, feeding shrieks of the creature. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Carlson was feeding his clown brother kids. That, like, what yeah. the... Oh, my God. Okay, and here we go. <laughs> and here we go. Shit's, shit's sitting in the Kicking fan. All right. In the McCoy basement, Kent chokes and coughs, spitting up what appears to be small, bloody bones. That's why I think earlier in the sink when I initially thought it was teeth, I think it was finger bones. I think you're right. Outside the back door, Jack retrieves a key and lets himself in. Kent hears Jack yelling for his mom upstairs and Kent calls out to Jack, telling him that he's downstairs in the basement. Jack goes to the basement door asking if it's Kent and Kent says it sure is. Jack says that Meg told him to tell the teacher if he saw his dad and Kent asks if Meg is also there with him. Jack says no, and Kent says that he needs Jack to come downstairs because he needs his help. That mommy says it's okay. This is is such a put on. This whole dad, like, like, hey there, champ. It is. Come on down. I'm going to bookmark something here because a critic made a comparison about this movie that I don't know if it was intentional, but I can see why he would have thought that this makes no sense to you right now but i promise when we talk about it after it's over it will make sense okay all right all right jack hesitantly opens the basement door asking what kent is doing and kent tells jack to come down and see him because he wants to see his number one birthday boy it's he so says it like that too and it it's like very shining esque like, like jack frost or something i don't like know. it's just like come on champ it's yeah 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 It's not quite that bad, but it's close. (laughs) It's almost that bad. The scene cuts to Meg on the phone with Denise, who confirms with Meg that she was supposed to pick Jack up from school. Meg says yes and thanks her, but Denise says that no, she's at the school and Jack is nowhere to be found. Back at the house, Jack walks cautiously down the basement stairs and reaches the bottom, seeing Kent chained to the pipe. Kent says that he's stuck, but then he notices Jack crying. 
Kent says that Jack can always talk to Dumbo. And Jack says that some kids tried to put glue on his face at school. Kent asks who those kids were. And Jack just says, Colton. Kent says that when he was bullied, he hid so the bullies couldn't find him. And then after a while, the bullies left him alone. Kent sits up against his chains and whispers to Jack, asking him if he knows where the bolt cutters are. So there's enough of Kent left now that he's like, I'm going to fuck some bullies up. Like, I'm, right? Give me those bolt cutters, son. I have a, yeah. ki- I have a kid to see about a thing. Yeah. I mean, if I'm like a, a child-eating monster... I'm going to eat the shitty kids first. Right. Eat the shitty kids. In the car, Meg races towards home. She sprints towards the house, running through the front door and seeing the basement door open. She calls out to Kent, afraid to walk down the stairs. She calls out to Jack, too, and is startled when he comes up behind her. He scares the shit out she of her. She screams so loud, like bloody murder scare. But also that moment, too, like just before you continue, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're just fine. that moment, too. Is she call- First, she calls out for Kent. But when she calls out for Jack, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt that. I'm not even a parent. And I felt that. I was yeah. like, oof. Well, and she doesn't want to know. She well, does she, not want to know. She's standing at the top of the stairs with that basement door open and she's like, I need to know what is going on down there, but I can't, I can't know what's going on down there. Yeah. Meg grabs Jack at a huge hug, telling him never to leave the school like that again. Obvious relief on her face. She asks Jack where Kent is, but he just stares and says nothing. We cut to a scene of Colton the shitty kid, played by Lucas <laughs> Kelly, riding up his bike, riding a bike up to his house and throwing it on the lawn and just running inside. Inside the house, Colton is talking a mountain of trash as he plays Halo with his friends online, telling them that they suck of course, balls. Of course he fucking, of course yeah, he fucking does. Yeah. His friends talk trash to him right back, making comments about Colton's mom's balls and all sorts of other juvenile bullshit. We can see Kent walk quietly into the room behind Colton and suddenly startled by a noise, Colton knocks over a red soda onto the plush white rug he's sitting on. Yep. Yep. He tells his friends not to kill him while he cleans up the mess (laughs) (laughs) and he runs to the kitchen to get some paper towels. While he's in the kitchen, he notices the back doors open and tells his friends over chat that he thinks there's someone in the house. He takes off his headset and runs to grab some nunchucks from the other room. Colton prowls around the house while his friends teabag his corpse in Halo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. I'm it's like, so look, what, look what I can do. <laughs> 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 this is why I don't play many online games with people I don't know. Because I'm like, I'm just going to get my fucking corpse teabagged <laughs> every time. <laughs> I hate PvP. <laughs> we hear the friends still talking. And Colton is suddenly face to face with Kent in the hallway. Colton is confused, saying, Mr. McCoy, is Jack here? Kent says nothing, and we get a close-up shot of the TV screen and hear one of the online friends tell the other friend that Colton made Jack act like a clown at school and called Jack's dad a fag. Shut up, shut it up. Yeah, Colton yells at his friends to shut up, and Kent rushes towards Colton. (laughs) Suddenly, a huge splash of blood and chunk of viscera hits the TV as Kent attacks him. Oh, yeah. It, I love that it wasn't so just a splash of blood. I love that it was some chunks, chunks. too. Like, I'm like, I love a it's good It's a real satisfying chunkage. kid kill. Like, I mean, I don't usually <sighs> like movies where they kill kids, but this is a satisfying kid kill. This kid sucks. This kid sucks. This kid sucks. At the McCoy house, Jack packs an overnight bag as Meg tells him this grandpa is excited to see him. 
Jack pulls his clown sheets off of the bed and stuffs them into a basket. And Meg asks if Jack is going to take his clown friend with him. Jack wordlessly slams the clown doll into the basket and closes the lid forcefully. He's like given up on clowns. It's so heartbreaking. I know. Meg begs Jack to say something, but he just stares at her. Downstairs in the hall, Meg yells up to Jack, telling him that they need to get going. But she notices that the dog gate has been broken down. She says, Shadow? Just as Shadow walks into the room, snarling viciously. Meg begins to ask what happened to Shadow's face as he walks into the light, his face now pale and nose bright red. Wah, uh, <laughs> they fucking made this dog wah, a demon clown. <laughs> it's not good. It's so not good. It's also obviously a really bad CG effect. It's like so it's not stupid. I'm it's like, not done well. I'm like, okay, so the the legend of the coin, the human, is like the skin was white because it was winter and he's pale and whatever, and the nose was chapped in red. But like a dog. That's not gonna happen to, to a, a fucking dog. dog. If all his hair fell out and he had some sort of weird mange, great. But no, it's like just turns the fur white. And I'm like, that's not how things work. <laughs> so it, it kind of cracked me the fuck up. I, yeah. Anyway. It was a choice. It was not a good one. It was a choice, though. You're right. Shadow gets ready to strike Meg. And just as he leaps, something cuts off Shadow's head and Meg catches it screaming I mean, and I throws it aside. What the hell just happened? <laughs> And Carlson stands in the hallway, sweaty and holding a machete, grunting, where is he, through his wired jaw. Jack has now come downstairs and watches as Shadow's headless corpse oh, stumbles oh, backwards oh. and falls to the ground. I do not like that. No, and he immediately runs back upstairs. No, because, like, the dog's still stand. Like, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I mean, as a dog lover, it- I don't like that. No, I, no, I hate it. I hate this it. This episode is canceled <laughs> we didn't look up does the dog die.com but the dog dies oh god and it's really that and it's, it's not putting yeah it's not fun no it's terrible jack immediately runs back upstairs he's like i don't want any of my dead dog corpse dancing at me and i'm a, I'm a yeah. head out meg tells carlson to stay away from them but he protests that he doesn't want to hurt them he sets the machete down and puts his hands up in a show of peace. And Meg screams again as we see that Shadow's head begins to ooze a bubbling multicolored liquid. What the fuck <laughs> is in these veins? Like, I don't. It, again, it looks like when you that go to the specific, car wash. Yeah, that specifically looks like car wash. Like so. the multicolored foam, yeah. right? Yeah. It's weird. But her floors are going to be so sparkly <laughs> clean. And slippery. (laughs) Carlson tells Meg that she has to help him find Kent. And just then the phone rings. Meg says it must be the detective. I don't know how she knows that because it rings in another room. And Carlson says again that he's the only one who can help Kent get out of the costume. In the next scene, Carlson sits at the dining table using wire cutters to trim the wires away from his teeth. I know it looks very... For anybody who's ever had braces like Uh, taken off... I can feel the inside of my skull rattling. Like, I when know what that must off feel your like. Braces. Oh, sniffing off your braces. When you're getting your braces sniffed, sniffed off. We both had braces. Yeah. It is. It, fe- it, it feels like you'd think it would feel. It rings your bell a little bit. It really does. <laughs> it's not pleasant. No. Carlson says he found the costume by accident. Hundreds used to come through his shop. 
But one day, a shipment from an Icelandic aristocrat's estate came through, and while everything else was rotted, the clown costume was in perfect condition. Carlson says that his intent initially was to sell it to the Moscow Circus, but he decided to put it to some good use first. In flashback, we see Carlson in the children's cancer ward that his brother opened, entertaining the children. Carlson says that Martin was always trying to give the children hope, so he thought to himself, why not cheer them up? He tells Meg that once the transformation started, he asked his brother Martin for help, and it's the last thing that he remembers. When he awoke, the suit was removed and the curse was lifted. Martin had given the demon what it needed. He had smuggled out five dying children from the hospital to feed the demon. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Horrible. I mean, I guess quick deaths for the infirmary. Well, they were going to die anyway, but like still, I I can't. I can't. (laughs) Meg asks in disbelief if that's really the only cure. Carlson says he has spent years trying to figure out another way to defeat the demon with no luck and that Martin spent the rest of his life in the house guarding that costume with his life. Meg asks why he didn't destroy it and Carlson laughs saying that they tried burning it, dissolving it in acid and nothing worked. They couldn't risk burying it or dumping it in the ocean because what if someone else found it, which is exactly what happened. He says that even the smallest piece of the costume is cursed and Meg looks back at Shadow's <laughs> body covered with a sheet. Like, no right. sh- no shit, no Sherlock. Shit. Yeah. Carlson says that the costume cannot be destroyed, but the demon can be stopped by decapitation. Meg says that Kent would never eat children, but in the next shot, we see the broken chains in the basement next to the pile of bloody bones that Kent coughed up. Carlson picks up a part of his spine, saying that it looks like it belongs to a seven or eight-year-old child. He asks Meg where Kent could have gone, and she says she doesn't know. Just then, Jack walks in saying that Kent went to Colton's. Carlson asks where Colton is and bends down to eye level with Jack saying, We have to kill your daddy. (laughs) I think he said we have to cut his head off, didn't he? No, he he just says we have to kill your daddy. Like, um, don't ask this man to babysit. I just... My head, and Storm Air is huge. My, like he's in super- my brain. Like I want to believe this was his Storm Air line. I want to believe that <laughs> he just like ad lib that. Ad-libbed like we have to kill your dad because it seems like a sh- some shit he would say. I love it. I love it. <sighs> Mel Meg yells, "Hey!" <laughs> <laughs> and then she tells Jack to listen to her and that it's not Daddy. It's the suit that's making him do bad things. Meg says there has to be another way, and Carlson asks Meg to help him catch Kent. They'll lock him up and continue to look for a cure. I don't believe that for one second. No, He's I can't like, believe she believes it for one second. I, I guess she's a desperate woman, but like I would be like, yeah, right. I'll catch him so we can look for a cure, and that cure is you're just going to cut his fucking Was that up. your cleaver in his shoulder? Yeah. yeah maybe we're... Yeah. Meg pulls up in front of her dad's house to drop Jack off for the night. Meg turns to Carlson quickly in the back seat, warning him to keep quiet. Walt leans into the car window to talk to Meg, asking if everything's okay. Meg says she can't get into it right now, and Walt tries to talk to her, but Meg just says she has to go and drives away, leaving Walt standing in the driveway confused. Poor dad. Poor dad indeed. Meg pulls around the corner to Colton's house, seeing his discarded bike in the driveway. Carlson and Meg go inside, Carlson telling Meg to be careful that Kent still may be in there. Meg makes her way to the living room and sees Colton lying on the floor. His head and arms are a bloody pulp, completely unrecognizable, and nunchucks lay atop his body. So that thing I said earlier about not showing a bunch of the gore, 
strike that. It's because this is all the gore. It's good gore. No, too. it is. It's really well done. It's just yeah. It, oh yeah. It's just mm. chunks. It's just chunks. Gifts. Chunks of meat. Chunks of meat and, and some legs blood and some nunchucks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Meg reacts in disgust, and Carlson kneels beside the body, throwing the nunchucks aside. Meg tells him not to touch anything, that they have to call the police. Carlson says, and tell them what? He continues that Kent must have digested the body by now and that he can't have traveled too far from here. Carlson asks where a clown would go on a weeknight without risk of being noticed, and Meg goes, oh no. The next scene flashes to a Chuck E. Cheese with kids running and playing everywhere. Oh no. Yeah. A store manager walks through the chaos towards an employees-only room, closing the door that's been left ajar. From inside the room, we see a bloody handprint on the inside. So my personal hell, by the way, would be working at a Chuck E. Cheese. If oh I, I like, I feel like that would be I would have to be my on. hell if I woke up, like died <laughs> in some sort of way, woke up and then I was just forced. They're like to, you're the night manager. You're the night manager. Oh. At the Chuck E. Cheese. You get to do cleanup. You get to clean the ball pit. <laughs> oh, oh. And given what, given the, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. Outside the establishment, Megan Carlson arrive. Carlson opens the door to exit, but Meg says he can't go in there looking like an escaped mental patient. He gives a weak smile and begins to reiterate to Meg that she cannot trust Kent. She cuts him off, saying that Carlson doesn't know him, but Carlson responds that he wishes his brother had just killed him. Meg promises that if she finds Kent, she'll bring him to Carlson, and she gets out of the car while he stays put. Inside, Meg wanders through the playroom floor, kids playing and laughing on all sides while she looks around. She eyes every little noise with suspicion, and when her eyes land on a birthday party, a young boy surrounded by his parents as they wish him a happy birthday, and he blows out the candles. She views the scene with heartbreak on her face. Oh, I know. Back inside the van, Carlson watches every person coming and going from the restaurant. Inside again, Meg looks at a large playscape, slides, climbing surfaces, tunnels, and a ball pit all crowded with children. She mutters shit under her breath and turns away, realizing that finding Kent and all that chaos will be extremely difficult. But as soon as her back is turned, one of the little boys in the ball pit is suddenly pulled quickly beneath the surface. Meg heads back to the car, saying that there's no sign of Kent, but she opens the door to find Carlson gone. Back inside. Of course he didn't fucking wait in the car. No, why would he? Why would he? He's like, sure, I'll wait till you leave before I leave. Right. (laughs) (laughs) How long do you want me to fake it for? Back inside, a boy does a cannonball into the ball pit, but quickly hops out, saying that someone peed in it. As he gets out, we notice that the bottom of his socks are soaked with blood. That's not pee. Mm -hmm. Another boy walks past, calling for his brother, Greg. He wanders inside of the playscape, saying that their mother says they have to go. He peers up into a tunnel and climbs inside, still calling for his brother. He climbs through the tunnels and tubes slowly, continuing to look for Greg. He reaches a four-way intersection and gasps as he realizes a young girl is sitting there. She looks at him and says, don't go up there and quickly uses a slide to get the hell out of there. I'd be like, all right, I'm all right. Sounds good to me. I'm going to go. But he is a he is a he is a brother. He's so. a bit. Yeah, big look, brother. probably big brother. He looks confused, but he keeps going into the tunnel, calling Greg's name. 
He reaches the central area, not noticing the blood splattered around the inside and turns down a side tunnel. A small boy suddenly comes into view. Apparently it's Greg because the boy says, there you are. And just as quickly as Greg appears, he is pulled away by his feet down the tunnel. Nope. Greg's brother follows him and Greg cries, no, no, as we see Kent lurking over him about to attack. Greg's brother tells Kent to get away from him and instructs his brother to run. Kent snarls and attacks Greg's brother, sending sprays of blood up onto the insides of the tunnel as the boy screams. Greg looks behind him as he leaves the tunnelscape, just in time to watch his brother's body get tossed aside. And this kid was this kid was like 10, 11, traumatized for life. And he just threw it away like a toy. Traumatized for life, this kid. (sighs) Not enough therapy in the world. (laughs) A clown ate my brother. (laughs) Sure, Dan. Greg quickly goes down the slide and into the ball pit, telling his mother there's a clown up in the playscape. The mom watches in horror as a flood of blood comes pouring out of the slide along with chunks of torn flesh and flowing into the ball pit. This visual is so cool. Uh, I love it. This is the shining moment. This is like a shining elevator moment. Yes. It's a torrential rain like pour down of blood. Physically impossible but God is it pretty. I love a good blood gag and that's a great one. Suddenly everyone begins screaming and an alarm goes off inside the restaurant and everyone starts to flee. Kids crying, parents running, sheer and utter chaos at every turn. Meg goes inside and asks the lady what's going on, and the woman says there's a maniac loose inside. Meg looks around the restaurant cautiously when suddenly Carlson appears from the kitchen entrance door, telling her to come inside. Carlson, armed with an axe, points out blood on the floor to Meg, saying that it means that Kent is nearby. Meg asks what the axe is for, and Carlson responds for protection. Like, what else would it be for? It's my lucky axe. Um, (laughs) He's my friend. (laughs) The duo makes their way into a spooky mini golf course lit up by black lights. They proceed slowly, Meg softly calling out for Kent and finally finding him laying on the floor. He has almost completely transformed into a creature now, the suit fully becoming his skin, his facial features distorted. He asks Meg where he is and she tells him that Carlson is there. They're here to help him and they're going to find a way to stop what's happening to him. Ken says he remembers Carlson. He's crazy. Meg says he isn't crazy, that he's going to be the one to find a way to help Kent. But just then, Carlson runs at Kent with the axe and takes a swing because, of course, he does. Well, I mean, I, I, I get it. Mean, I get it. But what did I say? He's what vulnerable. did I say? I was like, yeah, right. They're going to find a cure. No, they're not. And no. this is this my, is the my point. This is the cure. The cure yeah. is you get decapitated. Correct. Kent catches the axe before it can hit him, wrestling with Carlson and smashing him in the face with the axe handle, knocking him to the ground. Poor Carlson's face has just taken it this whole movie. Oh, my God, I know. (laughs) Meg begs Kent not to hurt him, saying that she is going to do everything she can to help him. Kent tells Meg to bring him a child, just one more, and that she can have her husband back. Kent has left the building. This is not Kent anymore. Nope, it's he demon. She stares at the Kent creature, horrified by its request, and says that she can't. The Kent creature says that maybe he'll find one on his own. What's his name? Jack? Meg begins to sob. The Kent creature says to bring him one child to our favorite spot, babe. So there is still a glimmer of Kent in there after all. But just a little one. I don't think so. No? I don't think so. I mean, demons... 
it, that's true. That's it true. tracks with the. I mean, it tracks with the lore. Whatever mm. it tracks, it's like the yeah. Demon. Pazuzu knew everything about Father. You know, yeah. Damien's. Yeah, they will lie. They will tell yeah. the truth. They will do whatever they can to manipulate you. That's very true. You're very smart. Um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant. I meant that. Suddenly, there's a pounding on the door, and the Kent creature flees. It's the police. Carlson, bleeding on the floor, slowly sits up as Meg backs the hell out of the room and leaves out of an emergency exit. She's like, so I'm going to go. Yep. Good luck with the cops. Yep. I'm going to head out. Yep. <laughs> the cops call out to Carlson, telling him to drop his weapon and get down on the ground. Carlson just stares, holding the axe as he bleeds all over the place and generally looks like the craziest motherfucking person on the planet. <sighs> Like, if there's an obvious suspect, it is this man right here. And just freeze frame, take a picture on my wall. Oh, I know. He looks so crazed and delightful. I know. Outside the building, police are everywhere, and Meg looks around at all the wandering children trying to find their parents. The kids are ripe for the picking. Oh, no. Meg answers her ringing phone, and it's Walt. She asks if Jack is with him, and Walt says, yes, Jack's fine. He says he's thinking of taking him home since he's being too quiet, but Meg says he cannot take Jack home. He needs to take him and leave somewhere. Just get out. Walt asks what it is that Kent's done, and Meg says that Kent hasn't done anything. Walt begs Meg to tell him what's going on, but she says she has to go and hangs up just as she notices a young boy standing alone among all the chaos. Make something up. At this point, make something up to tell your dad he's violent. He's violent. He's got horrible diarrhea or something like he's violent and he's still at the house or whatever at that point the The house is wired to blow don't bring him to the house whatever i know just lie your ass off do not take that kid home at this point though she's kind of in hunting mode so you know she's she's got a lot going on let's not blame meg here okay i don't blame Meg. and she's pregnant so i mean my god poor woman Meg approaches the boy slowly, but just as she reaches him, a woman calls out Hunter and grabs the boy in an embrace. The mother thanks Meg for looking after Hunter and asks if she's looking for her own kid. Meg says no, that her son is safe. Horrified at what she was just about to do, Meg returns to her car, listening to a radio report discussing that two children have been found dead and that a suspect, Herbert Carlson, is in custody. So the cops didn't kill Carlson like I feared that they would. He is still alive. Yep, still alive, still still kicking. Just then, a young girl knocks on Meg's window. She rolls it down, and the girl asks if Meg works at the dentist's office. The girl says her name is Annie, played by Emily Burley, and that she used to go to that dentist's office, and that she was here at a birthday party when everything went crazy, and that her mother dropped her off and she can't find anyone. Meg just stares at her as Annie continues, saying that she remembers Meg being really nice and asking her for a ride home. Meg repeats to her, you want to ride home? And Annie says she doesn't know anyone else. And she hops in the front seat before Meg can tell her yes or no. I'm going to take you to a child eating clown. Is that cool? Or That's where you live, right? Clowns eat kids at your house. It's fine. You know, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> Annie says again that Meg is so nice. And Meg starts oh, the car. Man. She drives Annie down a darkened street, and Annie apologizes that she doesn't know the way home, but Meg lies and says that she knows Annie's street and that they'll find their way there somehow. Like, how? Do, why would your dentist, hy, dental hygienist know where you live? Like, that's just... 
bizarre. This movie is how to get kidnapped 101. Like this I child know. is like out. It's just like every I way mean, to get I kidnapped. I get it. She's probably traumatized, but <laughs> like know, this but is still, yeah, like, what not to do. <laughs> Did you ever watch Stranger Danger as a kid? Annie looks out the window and yawns loudly as Meg stares ahead, a focused look in her eye. The car pulls over to the side of the road near a pier and Meg has tears streaming down her face as she wakes Annie up, who's fallen asleep. Annie asks if they're there and Meg says, yes, they're home. Annie hops out of the car but quickly realizes that she isn't home and Meg leans over to shut and lock the door behind her. Annie begins to panic, saying that this isn't her house, and Meg just sits and stares ahead while Annie begs and knocks on the door. Oh, it's rough. Yeah, I know. Annie hears a twig snap and tells Meg that someone's out there and it's so scary, and she pounds more desperately on the car, screaming for Meg to let her in. Annie shrieks in terror just as a shadow crosses the beam of the car headlights, and Meg can't take it anymore. She opens the door to let Annie inside. She reaches over to pull Annie in, saying she's sorry, but Annie resists and tries to pull away. Yeah. Because, yeah, Bitch, like, you like just I want to get in the car, but also please don't pull me because why the fuck did you do that? Like, I have questions. <laughs> I have some questions yes. we need to speak slow first. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Meg says it's not safe out there, and just then we notice that the presence is a police officer. He sees Annie struggling to be let go from Meg's grip. Meg screams it's not safe in there. Like, yeah, in no, that's fixed. true. She's like, it's not safe out there. Yeah. She sounds nuts. Well, I mean, at this <laughs> no, point, no. I would have snapped a little bit, No, I no, I know, but I'm just like, from the kid's point of view, there is a screaming banshee woman. Like, it's not safe out here, bitch. I don't think it's safe in there. I'm not getting in that car. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'll take my chances with, with the, the, uh, the clown. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I'm done. Annie is able to rip away and runs off. The officer tells Meg to wait here as he runs off to get Annie. But Meg says, Jack, and she peels away from the scene. So, I mean, if a cop says stay here and all that's going on, do you stay here? I don't no, think so. No, no, yeah. no. Meg leaves a message for Walt on her cell, asking him where Jack is and to call her right away. But at the McCoy house, we see that Walt is pulling into the garage with Jack in the front seat. She said, don't take him home. Bitch, what? Do- <sighs> Walt? I've never been more angry at a, I've never at been a grandpa. At a grandpa in my life. I know. Walt says they're home at last and that they're going to go have a talk with Kent. He tells Jack to stay close and immediately notices a few bloody small bones on the floor of the garage. Meg arrives just then, coming inside and asking what her dad is doing there. Walt tells her that Jack is safe in his room and that he's not sure what happened and that he doesn't care what happened, but that he doesn't want her implicated in anything Kent has done. He continues and says, I'll clean up the blood. (laughs) Like, oh, Kent killed somebody. This makes sense. Okay, don't worry about it. I'll clean up the blood. I'll clean up the blood. I love you. I'll take care. But like, it, it's kind of. It's kind of humorous, except it's not. Dad. No. Yeah. <laughs> He'll clean up the blood. Meg is his baby girl. He loves her. She asks what he's talking about, and suddenly Kent attacks him from behind, snapping Walt's neck and ripping off his entire bottom jaw. It's so... It's I love it. it. I love 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 it. I can't help but love it. Meg screams, watching her father's body thud to the floor. It's not okay. No. She looks at the Kent creature who now has a horn emerging from the middle of his forehead. He's completely unrecognizable now. And actually, I think at this point... It is. And I don't think at this point that it is Andy Powers anymore. I do believe that by this point, another 
actor was in the makeup playing Kent. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because his he's much taller, lankier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Doug. <laughs> My every, wish. Every movie I'm gonna well, be like, so when you said Doug. when you uh, it's not Doug Jones. When you said though that um the makeup artist worked on Hocus Pocus, I'm wondering if he did Billy Butcherson, which was oh, what you know the would, makeup that uh, Doug Jones wore for the movie wouldn't shock, and wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Uh, Doug. Anyway. The creature growls one child more, and Meg flees into the garage, scrambling for a weapon and finding a sledgehammer. She waits, but the Kent thing is not in pursuit. She sees through the cracked garage door that Jack has crept down the stairs. She gives him a look that urges him to go back upstairs, and he complies. Like, fucking, you hear all this chaos, please just stay up there. The Kent thing suddenly lunges at Meg from the shadows, and she takes a swing at him with a sledgehammer, catching him in the leg as he climbs over the hood of the car. He is able to easily overpower her, pushing her to the ground. She stands up, and he wraps his hand around her neck, but he's distracted. He looks down at her stomach, lifting her shirt and sinking his thumb into her skin to try to get at her unborn child. Oh, that's so fucked up. I know. Meg suddenly screams, run, Jack, and the Kent thing stops its attack, hissing Jack's name. Jack runs down the stairs into the front door, but he's foiled by the child lock that's too high for him to reach. He runs through the construction plastic and into an incomplete addition on the house, ducking underneath a flight of stairs. Meanwhile, the Kent thing stalks through the kitchen, trying to sniff Jack out. Meg quickly follows behind, grabbing a chef's knife and slashing Kent across the back. She calls him a clown motherfucker and slashes him with the knife again, catching him across the throat. Enraged, the creature bites a large chunk out of Meg's shoulder and throws her across the room into a china cabinet. She fucking ragdolls. Yeah, she hits that floor hard and she does not move. Jack watches from his hiding spot and we see the Kent thing silhouette as it looks for Jack. It passes by, but just when Jack thinks he's safe, the Kent thing's hand reaches under the stairs and violently swipes at Jack, not quite being able to reach him. Back in the kitchen, Meg cries out in pain as she struggles to her feet, bloodied and beaten. Jack peeks out from his hiding spot and a large pallet of cinder blocks is pushed in front of the entrance, forcing him back inside. Jack hears footsteps above him and watches as the shadow of the clown moves up the stairs. The creature suddenly smashes through the steps and Jack screams as the Kent thing roars back at him. The creature is suddenly caught around the neck by a large chain as Meg throws it around him, quickly chaining him to the water heater. The Kent thing struggles against the chain, which pulls deeply into his already slashed neck. Jack moves away as the creature tries to get to him and Meg retrieves the sledgehammer. She tells Jack not to look as she gets ready to hit the Kent thing in the head, but Kent says, Meg, help me. She stops and returns to Jack, telling him to go get the weird book and more chains. Jack asks why, and she says, don't you want to help daddy? Jack says, that's not daddy, just as the creature lunges at them. Meg raises the sledgehammer above her head and hits the creature, separating its head from its body. She collapses to the floor, holding Jack and crying. We see, though, that the head is not completely separated, however, and it's holding on by a few tendons of flesh. The creature reaches to grab Jack by the leg, and Meg, with a warrior's yell, grabs the creature's head and fully pulls it right the hell off. Oh, my God. She, like, twists it. She's like, not today. I, I, I am so tired. She watches in terror as the creature's head begins to spew the same foamy, multicolored liquid that Shadow's head did. 
The creature's body begins to lightly smoke and change shape as the skin lets go of Kent's body. As the skin of the creature's head melts away, we can see Kent's face underneath. Perfectly normal. Perfectly Perfectly fine. fine. Yeah. In the background, sirens approach and police enter the house as Meg holds Jack on the floor. In the next scene, a body bag is zipped up and a clown wig is placed into an evidence bag in a sterile looking room. We see the hands of the technician rifling through Kent's wallet and also placing it into an evidence bag. Kent's keys and wedding ring are also bagged up and sealed as police evidence. And we see multiple bags of evidence laid out on the table right next to a large sealed plastic tub holding the leather clown costume. No worse for wear. The screen goes black. The end. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, sister, what did you think of clown? I loved this movie. I loved this movie. Um, you mentioned earlier, and we, we will get into it, like that there were some holes and whatever. There yeah. was some like there were some moments where they took kind of an easy expositional way out. Yeah. Like, uh, well, what really could you do? Um, side of making like the audience participate in the hunt somehow. Like there's yeah. really not a whole lot you can do in this type of horror movie other than like, exactly what you did. Exactly what you did, which is yeah. to offer exposition. Peter Stormare delivered most of the exposition, so I was glued because anytime, <laughs> anytime he's going to monologue, I'm here for it. Yeah, I love um, him. So I really loved it based on that. And th- the thing is, like, there were some moments where I thought that they were going to kind of go one way. And they didn't. And I was happy about that. Mm-hmm. There, there were some quiet moments of fear, too, too, where they really let you sit with the terror of it. Mm-hmm. They did the fake jump scares that never turned out to be anything. But then, like, the terror really kind of felt real. Mm-hmm. And, like, just that moment where the kid is under the stairs, you can hear him clomping up the stairs above Jack's head mm-hmm. so you know what's coming you right. know he's about to break through those stairs you know that the kid's not safe the kid knows he's not safe yeah but like they don't do it right away they let you sit in that terror for a moment you're like is he gonna get a- oh no yeah, yeah yeah he's gonna go for him but like yeah. it so I I really appreciate those few like those quiet few quiet moments of like this is you're looking at a closed door. You know what's going on inside, but we're not going to show it to you. But we still show you tons of gore. Don't worry. Lots of kids get dead. Like we're right. still going to show you plenty of blood. Right. We're still going to show you plenty of gore. So I really appreciated it. What about you? Um, I really liked it. Obviously, you know, we haven't we're not picking movies to cover that we absolutely hate. Although maybe we should someday just for funsies. I really like this movie. Like I said, I was extremely pleasantly surprised the first time I watched it because mm-hmm. <sighs> clowns have been creepy for so long and like it started to become kind of a thing where like oh let's just throw a creepy clown in a movie and everybody will watch it this one though was different because they could have easily gone a slasher route with it mm-hmm. I don't know if you went and watched the original fake trailer on no, YouTube no I need to I forgot you, sh- you absolutely should it's maybe you know a minute or so long the cast is completely different, but the basic premise is the same where it's just the guy who can't get the suit off. But it doesn't the the fake trailer doesn't tell you like what kind of movie it's going to be. You, right. you watch the fake trailer and you're like, oh, this is just going to be like a clown slasher mm-hmm. horror movie. I need to and I should have before this. I did not. But I really want to dive a little deeper into how this movie became a movie. You know what? 
caused Eli Roth to really want to approach Watts and and mm-hmm. go like, no, man, let's let's oh, make this movie. Let's like make, make this, this a movie. You mm-hmm. know, the effects were great. Mm-hmm. I liked the more the meta the metamorphosis to me made logical sense. I know yes. that sounds weird. No, no, but it like did. the order in which. Kent's body kind of changed, yeah. fused with the costume, the way that his limbs kind of changed, whatever. That I mean, yes, part of it's cheesy because what is he transforming into? A clown demon. Yeah, like, but the th- right. But the thing is, like, there was another moment too, and I didn't mention this, where like, I think it was right before he ate the kid or right after he ate the kid in the hotel room, mm-hmm. his skin splits like around his cheeks like yes. up his lips almost like a joker and like smile. down i think down his, his eyes. eyes so it's giving it's giving slight pennywise the clown but it's different and it's it's handled in such a subtle way where you're like ooh, is this like is his face gonna split open like a fucking right. resident evil a zombie or like right. what's right. gonna happen like when he when he goes to kill so right well, and the thing is, I think in in horror movies, you know, a lot of them take themselves too seriously and they end up doing the things that could be done smartly in a dumb way. Right. This movie did the dumb things in a, in a smart, smart way. way. And so I feel like it it worked for me because of that. Yeah. Um. I really, like I said, I like the first and second act a little bit more right. because it was more subtle. Yeah. That is not to say that I did not enjoy looking at bloody chunks of shitbag Colton <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> no. and, I mean, so. And the monster reveal was good. The this monster is another, reveal was good, This too. is another one where, like, if it's a slow burn to the monster reveal and the monster reveal is garbage, I get so depressed. You're like, oh, is that I'm what like, I was waiting for? It's CG and it's bad. No, CG. and I think this, this is one, done really well. Yes. And I just, again, it was kind of a refreshing take on a horror movie involving clowns. Yeah. And so I... I can't say a lot bad about it. I I liked it. How many days are you renting this for? I'm gonna give this movie a solid eight. Like, nice, I really nice, really nice, nice. Feel, like I really feel. For one thing, I'm totally gonna watch it again. Oh yeah, it definitely has rewatchability. Whether you know uh, that it's a demon clown or not, like mm-hmm. it has rewatchability. There's subtle things to watch. It's worth worth watching. You know, Stormare pin act and try to try to <laughs> scream through a fucking wire jaw. It it's also just it handles something that you expect to be one hackneyed way, a very different way. And I I enjoyed it. And again, like I said, I watched it for the second or third time and was like, I really enjoyed this. I was in it. I was stuck in it. There were moments where I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot that happened to you. So and I, there's moments of like heartbreak for the, the yeah. kids and you actually get to like really kind of care for some of them. Yeah. And one thing I, I hate to mention this a little late, but I meant I said earlier I would go over it. One of the things the critic said, and I can see why this comparison was made, although I don't agree that this was the intent they said that this movie could be an analogy for pedophilia because you you watch Ken fighting his urges whenever he's around the young kids, mostly young boys. He gets hungry, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree that that was the intent. I do see how the movie could be viewed through that lens. 
I don't agree. I don't agree well, with and it. I think but I do get why that comparison's there. Really, anytime you have that, anytime you have a monster or a humanoid creature feeding on children mm-hmm. in any type of way, that's like sort of the logical step. So yeah. I get it. But at the same time, from a point of view of just appreciating the movie for what it was, mm-hmm. I don't think you necessarily, I mean, it ain't that deep. I don't think you really necessarily have to, like, devolve into, like, I mean, because there were, look, any horror movie could be an analogy Analogy for for anything. Anything. Like, there were analysis of The Shining where, like, people thought that, like, people thought that Jack Torrance was, like, doing, doing pedophilic things to his son. Right. So. That's it. Some you can always read, have that on the brain. <laughs> you can always make a thing another thing. Like, like it's your journey, right? Whatever. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. Either. I don't either. Um, for so sorry, I had to throw that in there because right. I said I would come back to it. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I'm rating this movie a seven. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I will watch it again. Yeah. Like I said, there's a few little weaknesses. There's the dopey thing with the fucking clown dog that, like, I can't get over. And, like, that was... It was a dumb way to execute it. That was one of the dumb things they did in a dumb way. Right. (laughs) Um, But mostly, like I said, it was refreshing that they didn't just take the easy slasher Mm -hmm. way out with, with the clown subject matter. Watching the humanity, you know, watching Kent struggle with his humanity Mm -hmm. during a transformation... I I really liked all of it. Some of the acting could have been more solid. Yeah. Some of the script could have been a little tight, more tight. Yeah. Peter Stormare gives it an automatic point for me because uh-huh. I just love his That's face. That's why it's bumped up to an eight. I'm telling you, it's great. Yeah. So I'm super glad we watched this one and I'm super glad we covered it. This was fun. Yeah. That wraps it up for this episode, listeners and lurkers. Thanks for joining us here on The Last Isle. What did you think of this week's episode? Let us know on our social media channels at Last Style on Facebook and Twitter and at Last Style Pod on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. We'll be back next week with a new episode. So sit back, cuddle up with your red nosed death dog and grab a hulking handful of birthday cake and come peruse a selection of movies in the last aisle. See you soon. Mm-hmm.